May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So here we are in Advent, and that little video is quite helpful, introducing Advent. Uh, I have to admit that for a long time, I just assumed, I think because Lent is a time of preparation for Good Friday and Easter, that Advent was really just a preparation time for Christmas. And uh, certainly a, a couple of the commentators that I read, really deep down, that's what Advent is about. It's a time of getting ready for Christmas. And well, it is in part, but uh, Advent does, as that little video showed, have a much wider brief than just Christmas. And one of the commentaries that I actually listened to, one of the podcasts, describes Advent as a time of preparation for Christ in history, which is Christmas. Christ in mystery, which is how the crucified and risen Christ is present for us now. And Christ in majesty, the second coming, when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's important that we hold those three aspects of it together. Christ in history, Christ in mystery, Christ in majesty. And as the video said, over the four weeks we're given four different themes, and this week we're given the theme of hope. And we, the lectionary writers, have given us those readings that we've just heard to help us into both Advent, this is the first, so we've started Matthew, we've finished with Luke, so for the next year we've got Matthew, and uh, so that's the first piece, this is the first introduction to Matthew, and uh, those readings were supposed to help us get into Advent and that theme of hope, but I have to admit that I struggle quite a bit with that reading from Matthew, and part of my problem is Larry Norman, so who knows who Larry Norman is? Anyone? Bonnie. So, strangely, Bonnie. So I'm not even sure you liked his music, did you? No. No. So, uh, in the late 60s, uh, Larry Norman burst into the scene, and he was a long-haired, very blonde-haired Christian rocker, which nowadays doesn't seem weird. It's a billion-dollar industry being into Christian rock. But in the 1960s, that was pretty radical. Because good Christians thought that rock, rock and roll, all that kind of music was the devil's music. And Christians should have nothing to do with it. In fact, one of Larry's songs is, why should the devil have all the good music? So, uh, as a, a guy in my early 20s who loved rock, to find Larry Norman was fantastic. I could listen to Christian rock music, and a lot of it was fun. But one of his best-known songs, which obviously none of you have ever heard of, is a song called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And it goes like this. Like I, it's probably a long time since I've listened to it. I had to look up the words, but actually mostly I knew what they were. They're still rattling around in my head. And the words go, Life was filled with guns and war And all of us got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. 
asleep in bed, she hears a noise and turns her head, he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. The father spoke, the demons dined, how could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. So that song expresses a very common view about the end times. That is, Christ will come, the nice people, the good Christians will be taken and everyone else will be left behind. And... Like I said, those words, I didn't have to look them up really. I could have sung most of that without looking them up. 30 years, well, probably 40 years after I first heard that song. It's a bit frightening, that. And so uh, that shapes how I read those kind of texts, even though I don't agree with that worldview. That worldview is still stuck in my head. And it's only, oh, and, is, uh, and so the pressure is on within that worldview to. Um, so I think the next slide. The pressure is on to make sure you've done things right so that you're not left behind. You have to keep watching. As one commentator said, which I said in the pew sheet, you've got to work to make sure you're not caught with your pants down. And as one of our people who come to the Tuesday morning Eucharist said, that's hard work. Because at any moment, you could be caught with your pants down and woof, you're left behind. There's a lot of pressure in that world. And I, well, I don't know about you, but I suspect there are a lot of Christians in that boat who are feeling very ambivalent about that text, and partly because of the assumed worldview that is held in it. And what really interests me is that it's only recently, like in the last couple of months, that I thought, is there another way to read texts like that? Do I have to read it that way? And in part, I think that's because of the book I read about by Karen Armstrong, about the biography of the Bible, which I talked about here, uh, that there are actually a whole lot of different ways we can read the Bible. And historically, there have been a number of ways that we read the Bible. And within Judaism, part of Judaism is that they have these really intense conversations about the different ways you can read the same text. And it's not so that you can have the right way, but actually all of them are important and you get a deeper understanding of what the text is about. So that's probably the first thing that helped me. But also, I've also read a couple of biographies about, from Holocaust survivors. And in the Holocaust, to be left behind was a good thing. The people who were taken, they were in deep trouble. They usually died within a couple of days. And so to be left behind was the optimum. It wasn't great, but it was better than being taken. And so when we read this, we always assume that being left behind is a bad thing. But why do we assume that? Well, there are other texts in the Bible that, in particularly in Revelation, that talk about that. But Revelation was written much later than Matthew. So what about you? Do you think it's good to be left behind or to be taken? And what happens when you're left behind or taken? 
I just want to turn around for a minute or two and have a conversation with your neighbour about that. How do you read this? So what do you think? Where'd you get up to? I mean, not even Noah is helpful in this. Because I said, well, in the Noah story... Uh, Bonnie and I were talking about. In the Noah story, surely the people that were left behind were the people in the ark and the people that were taken away were the ones who were drowned. And Bonnie read it the other way around. So, uh, and the Greek, people argue about the Greek. It's difficult to know really, isn't it? We don't. So instead of using Larry Norman, I wondered if we used Advent to help us read this text, Christ in History, Mystery, and Majesty, and, uh, and actually went back to Matthew's community. So Matthew's community has thought that Matthew wrote his gospel around 85. Uh, so this is a community who, some of whom may have met Jesus in some forms, but the historical Jesus was quite close. And part of writing the Gospels was to keep those stories of the historical Jesus alive. And this was a community that had lived for the last 50, 55, 60 years with the expectation that Jesus would return imminently. And they had been waiting, keeping watch for the last 50, 55, 60 years. And in that time, the temple, Jerusalem, had been sacked. The temple had been destroyed. I mean, if there was ever a sign that Jesus should return, surely that was it. And yet, 15 years later, they're still waiting. It still hasn't happened. So they had the Christ in history, and they'd been waiting, longing for the Christ in majesty. And they were caught in this time where this in-between time. And maybe, maybe Matthew is suggesting that that is actually where they need to be, in the in-between time, living with Christ in mystery. And that the people who are left behind are the ones who are to live as if to live out the reign of God as shown by the Christ in history and all the things that Jesus did knowing that they will be fulfilled one day by the Christ in majesty, but their role is to live in Christ in mystery, in the ongoing unfolding of the reign of God in their time, and to be part of that unfolding. That's an entirely different way of reading it, because it says, actually, you want to be one of those left behind. You want to be one of those who are living in the presence of God now, looking back to what Jesus did and said and looking forward and letting those two things shape how you live in the present. And that's a completely different way of living from making sure, well, that you're not caught with your pants down, really, isn't it? It's a lot less stressful and it's a lot more hopeful. And one could say that my sermons over the last nearly eight years have been all about that, so I could give you another one. Uh, and or, or we could do something different. So, 
Uh, as some of you might know, we've been uh, hosting religious diversity courses here uh, all of last year and for the last two terms of this year. And uh, the theme for uh, this term has been uh, various religions approach to non-violence. And so this week we did uh, Judaism. And uh, actually they have a long history of non-violence. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the great criticisms of the Holocaust is that they were so passive as six million of them were butchered. Um, it's not entirely true, but it is true to a degree, although I don't know that any of us would have done any differently. Um, however, uh, one, of the, one of the themes that runs within Judaism, which is certainly gaining a lot of traction at the moment, is tikkun olam. And so, rather than me tell you about it, I shall leave it to Rabbi Arthur Green. Somehow. 
So, a question to finish with, how does all of that help you enter into this Advent and help you shape your preparation for the coming of Christ in history, mystery and majesty? Just take a moment to think about that. If you want, you can talk to your neighbour. If you don't, you can just contemplate that quietly on your own.